All right, everybody. Welcome to the ninth edition of Positively Charged Wrestling. I'm Braden and my buddy Josh. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, so we're going to start this week out on a little bit of a somber note. We lost a true legend of the business this week. And uh, actually, before we started, uh, uh, Josh sent me a, a little screenshot of something, and I'll let you elaborate a little bit more on um, in a moment. But uh, Harley Race passed away at the age of 76. I know he's been in poor health, but uh, I, I was of the belief he was just bound and determined to keep living because he was just one tough SOB. So True, true. Uh, but uh, the, the little uh, screenshot you sent me, uh, care to elaborate a little bit on that? Uh, well, from what I was understanding, he was they were having to uh, take a medical flight somewhere, and like his insurance or something wasn't going to cover it. So uh, somebody reached out to uh, they made a couple phone calls to the WWE, and like apparently the expenses, everything was covered immediately. Uh, they they made a personal thank you to uh, Vince McMahon about that. So you know, kudos to Vince and them for doing what they can to continue on they said it, it bought him a couple more days so that was you know yeah that's pretty cool. that's good and and i tell you what a lot of times i think i think vince gets a bad rap and the wwe gets a bad rap and obviously back before mania john oliver had that little piece where and we won't delve into that now but uh you, you know about the independent contractors yeah. and all that i think i think sometimes the WWE gets a bad rap, and it, in some ways, it, it's it's deserved. But I think in um, a lot of times, stuff like this gets overlooked. That uh, old Vinnie Mac does have a big heart, and uh, to to echo your kudos, I think that was a nice gesture. And uh, Harley will certainly be missed. And obviously, when I think of Harley Race, I, now admittedly, I wasn't a huge Harley Race fan. Uh, not that. I didn't appreciate his work. I mean, he's just not one of my favorites. I, I think of uh, the first thing that pops in my head is him and Flair at uh, – was it the first Starcade? I, th- I think it was. I think so. I think so. Uh, and he pretty much made Flair <laughs> right there. So, um, yeah, truly a, a legend and one of the toughest men to, to ever grace the squared circle. Um yeah, it's one of those situations where uh, even if you weren't a fan of the guy, chances are you're a fan of a guy that was influenced heavily by him. So certainly, you know, certainly. So it all all builds to that. Um, but uh, moving on, uh, on on a little bit of a lighter note, we've uh, we've got a little bit of AEW news, and I and I feel as we move on into the the later part of the summer and on in the fall, this, this is going to become more 50 50 between AEW and WWE in terms of news and coverage. Um, they, uh, they first will, uh, we'll get to the road to all out videos just a moment, but, um, I think I sent you the link to this where, uh, their, their debut show on TNT has sold out, (laughs) sold out. I think I read that it's 14,000 seats that are, were available. That's impressive uh, for for a Wednesday night show 
a non-holiday, non-wrestling town. I, I mean, <laughs> it feels different than TNA, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, they definitely got a good start going off with this. I mean, and and it seems like they they've got uh, a solid lineup. Uh, obviously, Cody's going to be wrestling Sammy uh, Guevara. Guerrera. I apologize if I'm butchering his name. Um, I think they've got a six man tag announced: uh, Young Bucks and Kenny versus Jericho and two mystery partners. Um, the they've got a tag team tournament. They're uh, awarding the the women's championship on that show. So. And they're going to have a full house, it appears. So it's going to look good on TV. Um, I mean, what, what do you think the reason this feels different than TNA is? Because before we started recording, as I, as I was kind of getting ready, I was trying to think, you know, why is this different? And, and I'm not sure. I, I don't know. Is it just right place, right time thing? I, I think maybe it is. Um, everything just lined up right. Um, I mean, Cody... When Cody left, he started making a big buzz in the Indies. Yes. You know, he, I think he had a big list of guys that he wanted to work with, and I'm pretty sure most of those have already been marked off. You know, he's he's accomplished all that, and, and it created a big buzz. And then, of course, the Bullet Club thing coming up, and he got involved with that, and it just made it bigger and bigger. And I think right place, right time, it everything just fell into place. I, I would agree, and I think the way they've woven in – you know, the Dusty thing and how he's kind of carrying on Dusty's legacy of taking on the, the WWE machine and, and things like that has been well done without really beating that horse to death. So, uh, I'm, I mean, and they've got some talent there. They, they really do. The, uh, and plus, I think the way they're, they're tapping into – being different and really building things differently. And that brings me to the road to series, be it the road to double or nothing, the road to fighter fest, the, the little YouTube series um, that they've been doing before each one of these events. And now we have the road to all out. And I think there's been three episodes. Uh, you said you watched them as did I. So I'll get your thoughts on them first. I think uh, the second one, had a little bit about Moxley and Omega, and and I thought that was just really good stuff. Um, the third one had a little bit more about Cody and Sean Spears. So, so uh, what were your thoughts on these these two building videos? Well, now I never did get around to them last night. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna let you take on this one. Uh, that was on my list to do, and I fell asleep. <laughs> it, it it happens. It happens like a like. A, Eddie and RVD in the Ironman match last week. <laughs> yep. Sometimes there's not enough hours in the day. Uh, well, just just briefly, I'll say that um, I love these. I, I think they have a, a really legitimate sports feel to them. I mean, I know you you may have not seen these, but you can speak to uh, others you've watched, and I think you would agree. It, it, it has a legitimate sports feel. It has a UFC vibe. Yeah, yeah, the um, ones I've seen have been really good, and it's 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 just it just feels different. That's the best way I can describe it. Um, Moxley and Omega, 
I'm, I'm not sure. I, I'm not going to say that they shouldn't pull the trigger on this match this soon, but hey, why not? You know, if, if you're wanting to really get a buzz going, going into TNT, two of your biggest names on, you know, your one of your tip, tent pole events, uh, Moxley kind of tapping into, um, you know, saying Omega, you know, the myth of Kenny Omega and being this otherworldly talent and arguably the best wrestler in the world. And he's, you know, for the past three to five years, that's been growing while he's been over here throwing cream pies in people's faces. And I I thought it was well done. Um, The third one was uh, the contract signing with Cody and, and uh, Sean Spears and really dig the addition of Tully Blanchard. I I think it's um, obviously you could have either gotten Arn or possibly Flair, but I I think WWE's got a a tight grip on Flair, so they're not going to let that happen. So I think Tully, solid choice, an easy get, Um, but he's a solid choice. He was always – pretty good on the mic and I think his role here is uh helping this match so one one interesting thing I took away and it, I'm sure you'll get around to watching it uh Tully said you know the entourage that Cody came out with last year at all in he had like a whole to, to borrow another UFC thing uh and whole entourage that came out to the ring with him for his match with uh Nick Aldis Tully said you only one person at ringside. So I think that's – I'm not sure who he'll have. I don't know if it'll be Dustin. I don't, I don't know who. But I think that could be a really good little storytelling device with uh, Tully and Sean Spears' corner and one person, whoever that may wind up being, uh, in Cody's corner. Um, I'm sure that'll but, probably be a, a point in one of the next videos, I bet. I, I would imagine so. I would imagine so. And uh, finally, I'm not. I'm not sure if I sent you this or not. But Cody released a uh, AW on TNT hot video where he touched on the the comments that Vince made on a recent um, call with investors, where he said basically, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically TNT would not put up with the. Uh, the blood and guts crap that they graduated from a long time ago for very long. So, you know, Cody is quick to defend and I, as much as he wants to be tongue in cheek and they kind of want to tiptoe around this, there's shots being fired across the bow by both parties. Um, but Cody basically said that, you know, wrestling is blood and guts. It is, passion and if if we don't care then they don't care so i I thought it was a good rebuttal um and well tastefully done on cody's part and a little wink and a nod like i heard you vince so yeah that it, it should be a very very interesting fall to say the least yep yep and i'm I'm looking forward to when the weekly show gets rolling and it's just you know, as close as we can get to recreating a Monday Night War, you know. So yeah, I guess that this this is going to be a weekly war because it's all spread out through the. <laughs> it it will be, and um, 
I mean, they're anticipating between 500,000 and a million people tuning in each week. In comparison, Raw and SmackDown have around two to three million. If, if you know, AEW has been shattering expectations thus far. If they come out and they get two million views that first episode, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm tapering expectations, but it's an exciting time. Uh, moving on to uh, this past week's Raw and SmackDown, and I'm going to say, starting off with Raw, that was a darn good episode of Raw. It was. It was very solid. Uh, what uh, What are some of your takeaways from from this past week's Raw? Uh, well, I don't want to jump into the uh, the main story. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that one in a minute. But the uh, I did enjoy the uh, tag t- title match, the triple threat yeah. tag title match. Uh, new tag team champions crown in, in the the uh, they're calling themselves the OC, the club. I'm very lukewarm on that. I don't <laughs> – it, it's cool they're going all in on it, and I guess it has a little bit of a better ring to it than just the club. But I don't know. It's I, I guess it'll grow on me. Um, it, it's better than the Viking experience. So, <laughs> Yeah. It's uh, a, I don't know. It's a good match. Um, I, I wasn't expecting them. I figured the Revival was going to hold on to them. So, I guess that'll build into this week and then probably into SummerSlam. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was well done. We also had uh, wrestling during commercial breaks again. Apparently, that was a, uh, a Paul Heyman move that, <laughs> you know, let's scrap this whole silly idea of no wrestling during commercial breaks. So, kudos to him for actually having the leverage to, to get rid of that. Uh, the a fun little gauntlet match that, that was, was uh, that was good. I mean, I, you kind of seen that Ricochet was going to win. No complaints there because I think um, I think if they give him and AJ fifteen to twenty minutes at SummerSlam, we could we could have an instant classic. Yeah, and I I figured it was going to be Ricochet going into it, but you know there was the whole thought of Ray. I was kind of surprised we didn't get a Ricochet Mysterio moment in this match. But it kind of lined up where they didn't cross paths, so maybe saving that for later down the line. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, <laughs> let's just jump into it because, in my opinion, one of the better angles in the past in the past year or so. Uh, I, I'm not going to knee jerk reaction and say it was an all time great angle, but a solid angle. With Lesnar and Rollins, I didn't particularly care for this match. It was just kind of there. This was the heat that it needed. Yep. Uh, brutal. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the the chair stuff, uh, the F5s on the chair look stiff. Um, the F5 on the gurney looked even stiffer. <laughs> like... I was kind of going Joey Styles, like, oh my god, yeah, it was. <laughs> um, the the spitting up blood was a nice touch, uh, not over dramatic, and you know, just coughing it, but just little. Uh, what what say you on this angle? Oh yeah, those uh, the F fives under the chair looked brutal. There was no, I mean, that just looked like it hurt. You know, my ribs hurt yeah. with that one, and yeah. uh. 
and I love Brock stopping the ambulance and going after him again. That, that to me, it reminded me of Austin. Uh, yep. Brett just yep. immediately thought of that moment where Austin's like, we ain't going nowhere. And he runs back there and pulls Brett out. And Oh no, he jumped in after Brett and started hammering him again. I yep. immediately thought of that. It definitely added some heat to this, this one. Um, yeah, that, that was, that's what this angle needed. And if the rumors are true and, and Brock's going to have his working boots on and we're going to get a, 20 to 25 minute match, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, Cause I, I'm beginning to think Seth Rollins, we're going to look back here in about five years when, when Seth is, you know, maybe getting close to the end of his prime, we're going to look back and we're going to be like, this guy really, carried the company and and i think a lot of the downs the down uh i don't want to say down years but um ratings being down perhaps it's kind of getting blamed on him because he he's kind of taken over for roman yeah yeah. Uh, quietly it's it's not been overly done but he's kind of the guy right now and i think we're going to look back and uh appreciate it after it's over rather than in the moment. Um, what, uh, anything else from, uh, from raw that, uh, jumped out to you? Um, now that was the main stuff. Of course we saw the, uh, 24 seven title bounce around again. I don't really know what's going on here. Uh, uh it's first, interesting. First you- pregnant. And twenty four seven champion. I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's interesting. I'm not sure. It, eh, okay. We'll, we'll <laughs> see where it goes. We'll yeah, see go. where it goes. We'll give it some time. Yeah. Um, no. Overall, I thought it was a solid show. Some good wrestling. Uh, a hot angle. Um, so the ending of the show was kind of cool, though. I, I still don't know what a Samoan Summit's supposed to be, but the uh, just. Everybody coming out and fighting, and uh, yeah, Cedric t- making the dive off the entrance. They seem like they're serious about giving him some shine because, I mean, he's kind of st- hanging out there with the big boys, so that's that's cool. Um, well, since you kind of brought him up, uh, Roman, the uh, we'll kind of go in reverse a little bit on SmackDown, kind of a wacky ending there. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, apparently someone trying to kill Roman Reigns. Uh, I, it could be any fan out there that uh, complains on the internet. Could be the culprit. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, it, I'm not sure because there's been conflicting reports uh, whether Bischoff has any creative control. I don't know. This felt very Bischoff to me. Kind of a who done it? What was that? We'll see you next week leave you hanging type thing it felt i don't know if it was but it felt very bischoff to me and and i'm i dug it it was a little bit cheesy i'm not gonna lie but the intrigue of who was trying to get roman what was the motive behind it i I dug that aspect of it yeah i don't know what the um well the they why they did the camera shot from the the gurney or whatever it was that fell yeah, uh, that was kind of eh, because you know it's that goes back to the days of uh, the halftime heat match. No, was it yeah. halftime? Yeah, 
where they had the camera on the pallet of the forklift yeah. come down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably in hindsight wasn't a good idea, but the rest of the segment was pretty good. Uh, um, I don't know why Roman, you know, uh, he got up, he's like, I'm okay, I'm okay, and walks off. I would have just, you know, kind of ended with him, you know, them checking on him and cut the put the show ending graphic up and uh, yeah, follow into that in the next week. But, you know, I'm, eh, they did what they did, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah. Interesting to see who it's going to be. I've heard rumors, but, you know. Yeah, as have I. Uh, do, do, do we want to say who the rumors are? I um, mean. Well, we can. Because what I've heard is it's Daniel Bryan. Yeah, um, that's the one I've heard. And, you know, if uh, if they want to ride that horse, then um, I'm cool with that. Because, for one, I think the matches would be very good. Uh it would be a high profile program for both guys who are kind of just hanging around. Um, so if they decide to go with that and that could be uh, Brian's monumental announcement, they could weave that in. So I'm, I'm fine with it. If they choose to go that route, that'd be something fresh too. I think they worked together. Uh, oh, a couple years ago, right before mania, you know, they did that. Yeah. Uh, I think the title shot might've been on the line or something. So, yeah, uh, but other than that, I don't think they've really crossed paths. Well, maybe during the Shield days, but yeah, that's been, that's been yeah, it's n- nothing, not a major story. So, yeah, if they choose to go that route, that would be that would be fine. Um, we had another Bray Wyatt Funhouse type thing with and the Fiend, and I'm I'm digging all this. I'm I'm interested still. For me, the jury is still out on where this goes after what I presume. I don't know if it'll be a squash, but I, I assume he's without a doubt gonna gonna beat Balor. Um, so, uh, what do you think of the little the, the fiend and the Bray Wyatt segments on Tuesday? Uh, well, um, again, loving this this odd character it's pretty cool uh, yeah the uh the rambling rabbit I, I can't remember what he was saying but uh, bray shows up and cuts him off and yeah uh, you can tell he wasn't happy that rambling rabbit was talking to the crowd you know talking to the audience so um and then the fiend shows up during the uh baller oh, well i think he shows just kind of appears during the baller match he doesn't attack anybody yeah. um I, i'm wondering have have they mentioned demon baller or is it just going to be Balor? I, I think it's going to be Balor. I, I actually think they kind of want to protect the demon a little bit because the demon is undefeated. True, true. Uh, I don't know if they plan that, but he is. Um, maybe that's for when Balor comes back. If he takes off for a couple months, that would be a big time uh, Survivor Series match. Oh, true, true. So I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think they have. Uh, I think. I think, to my knowledge, it, it is just going to be regular fan. Uh, so, uh, we had a little bit of uh, continuation of um, Owens and Shane. That that should be. I want to make a prediction and say that's probably going to be one of the three. The the crowd is going to be super hot for that match. Oh, there you go. I lost you for a second. No, oh, oh. Uh Well, I, I, I was talking about uh, Shane and Owens. I, I, I think uh, 
think the crowd is going to be super hot for that match. Probably one of the three hottest matches crowd-wise on the card. Uh, I actually think that's probably got potential to be a show-stealing match. Um, I think it'd be pretty good. Uh, I actually agree on that crowd reaction. I mean, everybody, everybody wants to see Shane get his. So, and Owens is a good guy to, to deliver it to him. So that I, I think the crowd will be really into that. And I'm going to make another prediction here before SummerSlam. If, if Owens continues this path, I, he's my pick to win the Rumble. Um, now, a lot can happen between August and January. But right now, depending on how this goes, what path they choose to take with him, and, and if they manage to keep him relatively hot, he might be my pick to win the Rumble. Um, See it? So, uh, what else uh, from SmackDown kind of kind of jumped out at you? Uh, well, we set up a Balor, or not Balor. I don't know why I said that. Uh, <laughs> Alistair Black and uh, Sami Zayn. That's uh, it's got potential to be yeah. to be pretty solid. Uh, Black went back to his whole uh, "pick a fight with me" videos, and uh, uh, Sammy answered the call, I guess. So that you know should be a pretty good match. Yeah. Uh, we also got uh, Trish and Charlotte, oh, pretty yeah, much yeah. all but official, and that could be right there in uh, maybe the biggest reaction of the night. I mean, Trish is uh, loved in Toronto, so. True. That and I think Charlotte uh, will just eat it up and, and really play into it. I mean, is it people want to complain online? Go figure about how they shove Charlotte into a lot of matches and and this that and the other. She's good. I mean, it it's it's past the point. It really is past the point of her being Ric Flair's daughter. She is a top five – I'm going to say it. She's a top five performer, male or female, on the roster. I mean – Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I I, I mean, and this match with basically a two-week buildup, I'm as excited about this match as anything on the card for for two reasons – one, I honestly think it's probably going to be a pretty darn good match because Charlotte has that ability. Even if Trish is a little bit rusty, I think Charlotte can mask that. And two, it's a no-brainer dream match. I mean, True. you've got arguably or inarguably, whatever, the two most decorated females in WWE history. And, I mean, it's – honestly, I, if they did this at Mania, I wouldn't – bad and I. I mean it's it's that big of a match. So Oh yeah. And um like you said, uh Charlotte being the heel, I'm sure she's gonna play up that crowd reaction. She's uh she's awesome. I I'm a bit as far as the uh women's division, I'm a bigger fan of Becky. But yeah. I will go as far as saying Charlotte's probably the best all around. Yeah. The, yeah. In the women's division. And and the funny thing I I really want to bring this up. Um Trish gets uh, 
Well, if she's from that women's era where a lot of people, you know, they're like, eh, well, they're not as good as, you know. And, and I, I'm not going to say she's quite on the level of Charlotte. You know, Charlotte's amazing. But but I want I want to challenge everybody to go watch Trish and Lita from Unforgiven 2006. Oh, yeah. This was, this was Trish's last match. She was retiring. And this wasn't a Divas match, in quotation marks. This wasn't a Divas match. This was a women's wrestling match. Uh, it was actually my favorite women's match until – Charlotte, Sasha, and Becky had their triple threat at uh, Mania a few years ago. So I, I challenge everybody to go out and t- check that match out because I, I, I think they'll do a good job. I think uh, you and I watched that together, right? That was uh, – I, I think we did. Because <laughs> that was a really darn good pay-per-view, actually. Uh, that yep. was uh, the Hell in a Cell, the tag team Hell in a Cell, and the uh, TLC with uh, Cena and Edge. Yep, yep. That was a great show. Uh Maybe next month uh, we should go back and just look at that whole pay per view. But uh, that's a good idea. <laughs> but but anyhow, no, I mean that that is a great match. Um, and as I said, I'm as excited about that as anything on the card, really. And I think depending on where they place that, I could see them placing it. You know, maybe around the middle of the show because we know <laughs> this show is probably going to be five plus hours long. Um, <laughs> Uh, so depending on where they place it, that could get the, uh, the crowd back up and re-engaged. So, uh, we got anything else we want to touch on from Raw or SmackDown? Uh, well, did you see the finish of Kofi and AJ? I did. I did. Wow. I part, I, I marked out to that one. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, Kofi, Kofi winning clean, uh, was, was a little bit of a surprise, but uh, it was well done. And how strong have they put over Kofi since he's won that title? True, true. I mean, there there can't be any complaints about them fumbling the ball with this run because depending on how long he holds this title and, you know, who I'm – I have no doubt he'll probably beat Orton. I think that'll be a solid match. They already beat Joe, already beat Owens. If if he goes on and holds this title for a little while longer, I think we could look back and say it's an all-time great run. Um, but, but yeah, uh, good match, uh, solid. Um, and, and I, like yourself, uh, marked out for the finish. Uh, so – but uh, I think I think that wraps it up a little bit uh, in that regard. So I guess we'll get into the classic content, and I guess we'll go in chronological order because uh, we've got uh, the years eighty nine, ninety, ninety five, and two thousand two. Yep, and we'll start off. With uh, with your pick of the Ultimate Warrior versus Rick Rude, and I'll um, I've actually got some of this pulled up. You know, I, I said we would touch on the stories leading into this. If you want to add anything to it, uh, basically, Rude and uh, Warrior leading into this match, they had a superposed down at the Rumble, which was won by the Warrior. And uh, Rude attacked him with uh, the workout bar, led to a title match 
at WrestleMania where Warrior lost the title due to interference from the brain. And uh, then that leads us to this Intercontinental title match. I actually had forgotten about them wrestling at uh, SummerSlam 89. These two have uh, quite the history. True, true. Uh, so, so I'll let you let you kind of touch on your thoughts about this match, and then I'll chime in. All right, well, we had a uh, Warrior Rude Intercontinental title on the line, as you said, rematch from WrestleMania. Um, in my opinion, it's one of Warrior's better matches. Uh, dude isn't really known for his, you know, ring work necessarily, but uh, I think this one stands right up there with him and Hogan and him and Savage from the uh, next two Manias. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, and uh, get a little little interference from Piper uh, at the end. Um, I'd actually forgot about that part. I had too. Um, so, so I thought uh, I thought well, I agree with you overall. I think this stands up there with Savage and Hogan as uh, some of Warriors' best work, and. In my opinion, I think it's a credit to Rick Rude, who sometimes gets forgotten about when you start talking about all-time great heels. He was sure. so great. Um, and as, as a side note, uh, it, <laughs> the the next SummerSlam 1990 has their more uh, talked-about cage match. I wound up watching that one, too. And I'm not so sure that uh, while it while it was a great match and was deserved to uh, main event the card, I don't know if the Intercontinental Title match wasn't better um, or as good. I'm not, I'm not going to say better, but it, it was certainly as good. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think match quality was the Intercontinental Title match was was in my opinion a little bit better. Uh, I also watched the. Uh, <laughs> The first match, a, a lot of this stuff, I wound up watching quite a bit of each of these SummerSlams. Just, I would throw them on and uh, just just have it play in and, and, and watch quite a bit of this. Um, I watched the Brain Busters versus the Heart Foundation from, from 89 for the sheer fact that I forgot all about that match. And I kind of marked out. I'm like, oh, wow. Uh, that was a heck of a match. But that actually leads us to a match I picked, but and for the sheer fact, because Will, I, I'm I'm challenging him. I'm bound to determine to find a, ma- a tag team match as good as uh, the No Mercy match because <laughs> he he could be right. That could be the best uh, one of, if not the best, tag team matches in uh, company history. But the two out of three falls match with Demolition and uh, Heart Foundation, um. Very good. Um, a, a little bit hokey, I think. With uh, was it uh, was it Axe that came in toward the end, got underneath the ring? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have in my notes that Axe comes to ringside and Demolition does the twin magic years yeah. before the Bellas did. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just, I'm kind of watching it, and I'm like, really having to suspend my disbelief right now because with the Usos you can buy it, with the Bellas you can buy it. But I'm like, come on. <laughs> Come on. No, uh, what, go, go ahead. If I'm not mistaken, at, at this time, definitely not. But I think right before, I don't know if it was the full ending of the run or sometime, 
uh, Demolition started wearing masks instead of face paint. I don't think it was on any of the pay-per-views, but they instead of the face paint, they had like black mask on, and they actually wearing those masks before the no, match. No it, no, it wasn't the um, it wasn't the the hood mask that they oh, normally wear. Okay, this was actually like wrestling mask, like luchador almost mask. No colors to it; it was just black. Oh, uh, there's a there's a match on video somewhere, but I don't know what it is. I it's one of those that I've just seen once or twice, and you know I can't exactly place the exact time period. But apparently, they did wear masks and could do that move a little better. But I'm like you; uh, I, I can tell the difference between Axe and uh, <laughs> Ash and Crush. Uh, and um, a little bit. Um, we forgot to do this, or I, I forgot to do this. Um, they faced each other two years earlier at SummerSlam '88, and uh, Demolition got the victory over them. On the March 31st episode of Superstars, uh, they challenged. They challenged for a match at WrestleMania. Uh, then the Rockers and Hart Foundation faced each other on the April 28th episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. Demolition interfered, causing a double disqualification. Then on July 14th episode of Superstars, Demolition and uh, Hart Foundation brawled. Uh, after the Hart Foundation claimed Demolition, that since they had three members were uh, just cowards, then a fo- the following week, this match was scheduled. And the stipulation stated that it would be a two out of three falls match and only two members of Demolition would be allowed at ringside. Um, so some solid, solid booking there. Good, good little storytelling. Um, and uh, just, I mean, just an all around great tag team match. Uh, nothing, nothing to complain about there. Um, it, I don't know how it, how it stands up uh, to today's standards. Um, but it was just a different style back then, I guess. It, it was more about the storytelling. Um, so uh, what what else uh, have you got about uh, about this match? Well, um, in, in the uh, lead-up to that match that you're talking about, you, you kind of answered a question I had. When I started this matchup, uh, one of the first things I thought was uh, – I couldn't remember why Demolition were heels at this point. I couldn't remember if they'd done something to turn. I, my first thought as the match started, I was like, okay, at Mania, the last pay-per-view, they beat uh, the, uh, Andre and Haku, the Colossal Connection. Yeah. And, you know, they were the, they were the faces in this situation. Everybody, big reaction when they won and all that. And I was like, so here we are on the next pay-per-view, which, granted, at that time was months down the road, not the next month as it is today, but uh, – I could not remember what they did to turn heel, and apparently, from the way that was sounding, it wasn't a an actual turn moment. It wasn't like one solitary moment that turned. I guess just the bringing in Crush and having the three man advantage and stuff slept, maybe slowly turned them into heels. Right. I'm guessing that's what I got from that. So, uh, you, you kind of did answer a question I had there. I, I couldn't remember. Um, and of course, they turned them heel so that they'd be heels against the face Legion of Doom after this match. And and something else watching actually all four of these SummerSlams that I miss. And and they do it on occasion, but very rarely nowadays do they do it. I miss the uh the no stage setup and opening up the full arena. Um yeah. because when they said they had 
18 to 20,000. And, you know, these days, and obviously you had Hogan and, and arguably the height of Hulkamania. So they were packed houses all across the country. But I don't know. It, it really had a different feel. Um, I, I, now, granted, I like the stages. Some of them are really cool. Some of them are very memorable. But I don't know. There's something about just a full arena and the ring that just, I, I don't know. Uh, that was just one thing that stood out watching all four of these shows. Um, but uh, we'll uh, we'll move on to to SummerSlam '95 and the ladder match part two with Sean and Razor. And a little bit of backstory on this: uh, this this is all coming from Wikipedia, so you know it's true. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but um. Michaels won the title at In Your House 2. Michaels also won, was a lumberjack in the title match between Diesel and Sid, performed a double axe handle off the top rope to Sid, uh, helping Diesel retain the title. Sid had powerbombed Michaels a few months prior. um, After Sean blamed Sid for costing the title at WrestleMania 11, sidelining him for six weeks. And then on the July 24th Raw, Sid vowed revenge on Michaels. That night, uh, Jerry Lawler stated his own desire for a shot at Michaels' title. Um, A match between Sid and Michaels was scheduled for SummerSlam. However, the match was suddenly scrapped soon after, which seems to be a trend with Sid. Uh, (laughs) Perhaps true softball tournament that same week. I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, But – However, the, the yeah, the match was scrapped. Uh, Michaels would now defend the Intercontinental title in a ladder match against Razor Ramon. Despite a lack of any on-screen buildup on the August 7th Raw, Michaels attempted to attack Lawler but was restrained by officials. Michaels wrestled Lawler on the August 14th Raw, and uh, Sid attempted to interfere in the match with the clothesline, but Michaels ducked and hit Sid with a super kick. Sid and Lawler regained the upper hand, and Sid chokeslammed Michaels, Razor Ramon, <clears throat> ran in and assisted Michaels in clearing the ring. They then had a stare down, which led to a brawl and then led to the match. So that, that's something that I didn't know that originally it was going to be Sid and Sean, which honestly would have made more sense. <laughs> yep, but, yep. but I think we got another all time classic, uh, from the show stopper and, uh, and the bad guy. So, uh, yep. What are uh, what are some of your notes on this match? Yeah, I'm I'm glad it got changed because we got a good match out of it. Um, I remember watching Superstars or Challenge or something, and uh, Monsoon coming on and saying that he was changing the matchup, and they was going to do a rematch from WrestleMania with Razor in a ladder match, and Sid would get the the winner would wrestle Sid a couple weeks later, and uh, so I remember it getting set up like this, but I never I don't know why. You know, I I always wondered why poor Sid got kind of push to the side or well honestly i guess it kind of elevated him in a sense because he got the winner you know he so he just kind of got the night off so uh, but i do remember that setup um um i don't i don't know if they, why they went with this match I, I guess maybe they needed something quick like you said sig could have had a softball game or something like that <laughs> but uh i don't know why they just i i guess there was a history there uh now i will get to something in a little bit but I, i'm gonna save that closer to the end because uh, it kind of deals with the finish of the match, so I'm going to save that till we get there. But this, um, 
I mean, 24 years later, I mean, this stands the test of time. Uh, th- this was kind of a, a, a almost a babyface versus babyface match. It created a good dynamic, uh, unlike the the match at Mania a year and a half earlier, where it was, you know, Sean a heel, Razor the the babyface. So I, that was interesting. Um, the the introduction of a second ladder, and supposedly. The urban legend is the only ladder they had in Madison Square Garden that night was the ladder they used. I don't know how much I believe that. It could be true. Um, but uh, some really cool stuff. Sean doing the splash from the top of the ladder, the tippy top of the ladder, rather than like uh, two or three rungs down, I thought was a nice touch. True. true. Uh, Good old Michael P.S. Hayes on commentary, Mr. Duke 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 himself. Uh, that was I, I loved it. I loved him flip flopping through the as the match went on too. Yeah, that was that was hilarious. That stood out. Um, <laughs> uh, but but what are what are some of your notes on this match? Uh, well, watching it, I, there's one spot I knew was coming up, and I remember seeing this as a kid, and I've watched this match a lot. Um, but uh, I remember seeing that spot when I was a kid. It's when they do the suplex to the outside and Sean hits his leg on the guardrail. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> I, I, every time I watch it, I'm like, you know, it might not as hurt as bad as I, I was thinking. But, gosh, to me, it, you know, my leg's like, oh, no, oh, no, don't do it again. Well, the thing uh, is, that was about a, a hair away from – that could have been a bad spot. <laughs> true, true. I'd actually forgotten all about that spot. And – uh yeah, that was that was something, as I said, that stands the test of time. So, and then I think there was a couple spots in here where, um, well, the, we had the spot too where uh, Razor pushes the ladder over, and uh, Sean's legs caught in it. Yes. And I think that, of course, that sets up part of the match story because uh, Razor just keeps working the leg and working the leg, and so uh, you know that that played into there. Um, and, I, and I like there was a couple spots in here, both guys, like. You kind of used the ladder as a weapon and shrugged it off. Like, uh, Sean picked it up and turned with it and it knocked Razor down. And he just kind of looked at Razor, like, you know, oops, oh well, and kept going. Yeah. And then, uh, uh there's a part where Razor's like going to set the ladder up and he just kind of pushes it over and it lands on Sean. And Razor just kind of shrugs it off, like, oh man, that, that stinks. And then they keep on going. And I, I enjoyed those spots because it was like, you know, you could tell it was intentional, but, you know, them playing it off as if, oops, my bad, you know, because, you know, I guess because they were, they were both faces. So, right. didn't want to get too too into it. So, I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, for sure. Um, no, I – and I, I remembered enough about this match that I thought that – I thought that it was better than the uh, – the mania match and and I stand by that. I think I think the mania match probably gets a lot more love because it was mania. It was the first one. And rarely is the sequel as good as the original. Um but I think in this case the sequel was was as good if not better. So you, you said you had a note about the finish. So, so what? What? Uh, what do you want to touch on there? All right. Well, um, I, I agree. The, I think the match itself was better 
than the uh, the original one, but the story isn't as good. Like the 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 base story, like um, that we're presented. You know, the the first one just kind of worked out perfect. Where Razor Sean was suspended, Razor become the new Intercontinental Champ. Sean come back. They both have belts. You know, it it just worked. Uh, this one didn't have a whole lot of build. It didn't have a whole lot of story. But at the end of the match, it kind of tells its own story. Um, uh, Sean wins. You know. You know, spoiler if nobody's seen it. And uh, Razor comes back in and he takes the belt from Sean and just kind of stares at it for a second. He then uh, gives it back to Sean. They shake hands. He raises Sean's hand and they give a, each other a hug and, you know, sportsmanship and all that. Um, and I think that, I guess, is the unofficial story of the match, maybe. Because um, if you get thinking about it, these guys feuded all through 1994. Yeah, when Sean when Sean come back, Razor was Intercontinental Champion. I think Sean like may have interfered in Razor's match at the Rumble. I think that might have been when Sean come back. Then they went into Mania, had the ladder match. Uh, Sean, I think, uh, spent some time. He wasn't wrestling. I don't know if he's hurt or whatever, but he he was managing Diesel, and it the the feud kind of become Diesel and Razor, but Sean was still involved. Then it bleeds on into from SummerSlam into uh, Survivor Series. And then somewhere along those lines, they quit crossing paths. Sean turns face. Razor's already a face. And and I guess that's kind of the story I'm getting out of it is, you know, in wrestling, we're all too often, you know, okay, this guy's a face now. Just forget what he did, you know. But it kind of told an underlying story with me of, hey, Razor is endorsing this guy now. You yeah. know, they feuded for an entire year. It was a thorn in Razor's side for an entire year. They even had that little animosity as you uh, pointed out, like the week or so before on Raw. And now at the end of the match, you know, Razor kind of endorsed him. So it, even though it didn't have an official story, in my mind, I kind of went back and filled in blanks. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It does have a, a story to it. So, Oh, certainly. Uh, certainly. So now we're going to fast forward seven years. Um, and in between 95 and 2002, Sean uh, – Won the title a few, the WWF title a few times, and he uh, became some people would say a prick, uh, <laughs> and injured his back. Uh, he um, he he had to take four years off, and then in uh, then in two thousand two makes a triumphant return. I've often wondered what we'll get to the story behind this match a little bit more uh, in just a second, but I've often wondered how serious that back injury was and how much of it was just Sean being burnt out. Um, And and I've read Sean's book, but it's been quite a while. So, but you know, as I'm watching this match, I'm like, there's no way that – maybe it was. I don't know. But uh, but anyhow, the uh, the build-up to this match, uh, we'll kind of touch on some stuff here. Um, Michaels uh, returned out of – after being out of wrestling, as I said. Uh, Triple H was given the choice – Deciding what brand he would appear for, Raw or SmackDown, Michaels helped him decide by offering him to reform DX. I remember that Raw vividly. Uh, 
Triple H chose to go to Raw, but the following night, as Michaels and Triple H were in the middle of the ring, uh, Triple H turned on Michaels. Then on the July 29th episode, uh, Michaels was found in the parking lot laying motionless after an assault. This was later found out to be uh, Triple H who attacked him, and this was all to prove point that Michaels was weak. Uh, Michaels told Triple H... Uh, that he wasn't 100%, but would be at SummerSlam. Then on the August 19th episode of Raw, uh, it was announced that it would be an unsanctioned street fight. And then obviously uh, there was some interference and shenanigans. Um, first off, uh, I, I don't know if you want to add anything else about the buildup, but I actually just watched this match just about an hour and a half, two hours ago before we were recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I forgot how amazing the video was in, in the buildup. The, the, oh, right, yeah. That was, that was stupendous. Um, yeah. That, that's actually one of my notes was to give kudos to this uh, video package. Whoever put that together. Cause I, that was I, awesome. I was getting pumped up 17 years later watching it. <laughs> wow. Um, this, uh, you know, this in the ladder match, I, I think it goat greatest of all time that gets tossed around a lot. Obviously, you've got uh, in terms of drawing power, you've got Austin and Hogan. Uh, in terms of entering work, you've got Flair, you've got Brett. I, I, I wrote a paper for uh, college a few few years ago. And it was a. I need to find it and send it to you. It was about how uh, Shawn Michaels is the greatest of all time, and, and I still to this day believe that. I like Brett more, but Shawn was better all around. Um, I, I, I need a soundbite of that too. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. That uh, because even the stuff that I mean. When, when Sean gets the ladder from underneath the ring and he, he's got it and he's like, you remember me now? You remember mm-hmm. me now? And just the little things, man, the little things is, is what really, really drove home. And when he's up on the ladder and, you know, uh, I love each and every one of you and drops the elbow, just the little things like that uh, are really what stand out to me about Sean looking back on his career now. Uh, but but I know you've got some notes on this match. So so what uh, what, what say you about it? Yeah. Well, um, when, whenever anybody's talking about Sean, one of the things that pops in my head and in Mick Foley's first book, uh, he's talking about where he's going to wrestle Sean at uh, Mind Games, and he says he went to you know study some footage, you know, watch some other Sean matches, and Mick makes a statement that uh, I think is one of the best uh, endorses of Sean. You know as far as uh, his entering work. And it says he realized that everything Sean did looked good. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I'm Sean botched some stuff, I'm sure. But, you oh, know, yeah. more or less anything that he did in the ring, it made sense. It looked good. It told a story. So I always go back to mix uh, words in that one. Um, let's see. And, and I did have a little bit to add to the, uh, to the backstory of the match. The uh, Raw right after Hunter decided to go to Raw, like at Vengeance, 
uh, that next night they uh, they start the show off. I think with Sean and Hunter, and uh, Bischoff comes out and uh, says something along the lines of uh, Sean being can be Hunter's manager and carry his bags and stuff like that. And I think you know Sean kind of didn't like that idea. Uh, he didn't like being relegated to just carrying Hunter's bags or something. I don't I don't know what the exact wording was. And uh, so he left. And then then him and Hunter were backstage talking. Um, they kind of teased the DX thing without showing it to the camera, you know. And they come out, and then Hunter turned on him. And then it goes into the next week, and Hunter's um, Hunter's cutting a promo, and you know he brings that up too. You know, you know, times kind of passed you by. Why couldn't you just do it, Sean? You know, you just be my manager, just do that kind of, you know, saying you don't have it anymore, but you could do this, Sean. Why don't you do that? And so that you know, a, a little uh, extra to that storyline there. Um, oh yeah. And and I feel that this and this and possibly the the uh, story with um, Jericho and I believe it was two thousand eight uh, are two of Sean's finest work. Yeah. Um, and that is something that I'm sure we'll touch on possibly next week uh as we talk more about SummerSlam and and our favorite moments and uh, even more matches but something else about this match is you know a lot of people want to hate on Triple H and say he got to where he was at cuz he married Stephanie and, and look let's be honest I'm sure that didn't hurt <laughs> True. but but at the end of the day the dude could go he still can go at 50 <laughs> I, I think last week we were talking about it and he is 50 now. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, he was such a dastardly heel in this match and really helped tell the story. Uh, and I, I think it kind of goes under a lot of people complain about Triple H's quote unquote reign of terror from about, 2002 to 2004. I'm going to use the Baron Corbin analogy. You were supposed to hate him (laughs) because he is a heel. And in that regard, I felt, yeah, he probably didn't need to come out every week and cut a 20 minute promo. There were parts of that run that weren't that great. Booker T probably should have went over him at WrestleMania. There, There was a lot of things that, Hindsight's twenty twenty, but overall, yeah, um, I, I digress. He, um, I, I thought he played his part wonderfully oh, in this yeah. match. Oh yeah, and and you get thinking, uh, it's Sean's first match back after four years. Um, there, there's the whole ring rest thing, but uh, on top of that, you know, if Sean's back was re- really as hard as they thought it was, you know, they didn't know what they were dealing with here. Um, I'm sure he felt as if he could do do the match, you know, or he wouldn't have. Yeah. But uh, I'm sure Hunter was Hunter was an obvious po- choice for a partner, not a partner, but an opponent, because for one, there was already a story that they could tell without mm-hmm. without having to do a whole lot. The story was already there, and uh, Hunter was somebody Sean could trust, you know. So in the match, you know, if Hunter would take care of Sean in the match, if something was to go wrong, and if, if something did go wrong from a company view, I mean, think about it. Hunter was a good guy to be in there because if Sean, you know, oh, I can't, you know, this isn't going to work. Hunter had the ability to carry the match, to know what to do to get to the to the ending without, you know, without it being too much of a problem. So you know, I, I give that credit to Hunter too. 
Oh, without a doubt. Um, without a doubt. It, it, uh, another thing that stood out was good. Gosh, JR was on his A game in this match. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, that's another reason without straying too far off topic that I am excited about AEW uh, watching some of that stuff. It shows me that he still has it and can still, if given the right material, can, can tell a story or help tell a story in the ring. And um, yeah, he was on his a game in this match and I forgot how good of a call he had in this match. That was just absolutely awesome. Um, and, And I think, uh, I think when he has a story to sink his teeth into, much like this match, I think Jr. is at his best. But oh yeah, um, oh yeah. But no, we've uh, four solid choices um, for uh, SummerSlam uh, this this week, and uh, I guess we'll do four more for next week, and probably touch more on the uh, our favorite moments in SummerSlam history. Uh, and probably our pick for what uh, we think is the best SummerSlam to date. So, anything else about any of these matches? I, well, I do want to go back. You, you mentioned the video package for this match, and, and I, I went back and watched it as well. And uh, the, the moment I'm talking about is in here. Um, let, let's go back in time just a moment to uh, 2002. Well, even further back, uh, Sean was my favorite at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. He lost the belt to Austin, and he kind of disappeared. Uh, we weren't really given, you know, I mean, the internet was there, but you know, I, I, I we didn't get the internet until a few years later, so I, I didn't know what had happened really. You know, Sean just quit being on TV, and uh, yeah. then, then he made little little appearances like guest commentary or something like that. But th- th- it wasn't really told, uh, you know, hey, Sean's done. We all kind of put it together, and eventually, you know, the, the story leaked out. I read it in one of the magazines or something, and and um, so you know, I'm I'm watching, you know, I'm loving the product and everything. Everybody's, you know, you know, Steve Austin, biggest star of all time. Oh, The Rock's the great one; he's great. And you know, I'm I'm kind of sitting to the side. You know, I'm loving the product, but my guy's gone, and that sucks. You know, there's some good performers, but my guy was gone. So let's go to that that video package and that interview where um. There's a line where Sean's after hunters attacked him in the parking lot and everything. And uh, Sean says, you know, the doctor said I'll be 100 percent, 100 percent by, let's say, uh, SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine just just for a second, just imagine how big I marked out in 2002 <laughs> to that moment. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll I could tell that the, it was going to happen. You know, I, I could see the story building. But I think that moment was the uh, official, you know, hey, yeah, you're going to get Sean in one more match. And I marked out. I loved it. I was excited. It was great. That, and that, that video package always brings me back to that because, you know, 100% by SummerSlam, and I'm just like, yeah. Well, and this really started an eight-year run uh, of Sean's second half of his career. And I know you and I have kind of went back and forth on what was the better run his first half, and you could call it, I mean, if you want to include the Rockers, there was about a 10-year span True. there. When, when did the Rockers debut? Uh, uh, 88, 89? 88. Was it so, from yeah. about 88 to 98. So, you know, and I know he was wrestling before that. That Granted, uh, 
in the AWA and, and things like that. But I'm talking collective conscious uh, where, where he was introduced to, to the world, if you will, from about 88 to 98, tag team and singles, yep. Hall of Fame run. So if he never did wrestle again, he was going to be a Hall of Famer. True. So he comes back for this match and then starts from 2002 to 2010 another in a vacuum Hall of Fame career. <laughs> so it, it's it's pretty astonishing to think about that. Um, and and I kind of think in a lot of ways his second run was better. Yeah, I'll agree. I'll agree. Uh, because obviously he he had this match. He had the series of matches with Angle, um, Jericho. Obviously, uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting so, some tremendous matches. He had some other great matches with Triple H and obviously the the Undertaker matches at Mania. Uh, but um, but yeah, I mean it's it's just insane to think about. It. And that, as I said, I, I will say it again that uh, I like Brett more, but but Sean was better. I mean. And then just watching this match, I just, I, I just kind of marvel still at how good he was, and it really is a treat to know that he's down there in NXT coaching some of those guys. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. That, and this match too, if if this was it, you know, if if he come back, and and from what I heard and what I've always heard is at that that point, this was it. Like it was, just, we're going to do one match. And kind of see how we go, you know. And if and if that was the case, if they did this, and he was like, you know, this is good, but I can't do it anymore. I mean, this yeah. was a great comeback. This one match was a great, you know, told a great story and gave us something to see and remember him. And of course, then he he stuck around and and I think a lot of the reason the second run was better is because you know he was a different person. He he uh, he could put people over. He he wasn't as worried about his status in the company because you know, I mean, he could lose and. He's still Shawn Michaels, you know. Everybody's still gonna watch and see what he does. So uh, he, I mean, he put like everybody over during that second run, and still everybody still loved him because of his performance. So that, I think that's that for me. That's one of the reasons why his second run was better. Not taking anything away oh. from the first run because it was awesome too. <laughs> oh, oh, without a doubt. Um, no, I, I agree. Uh, and obviously, he went on to win the world title at. Uh, that elimination chamber, I'm, I'm sure come November, we're uh, probably going to talk about that. Is I think that first elimination chamber, I'd really have to sit down and look at them, but that may have been the best one. Um, one of the best, certainly. The, the first is always, as I said, it's always hard to top, uh, top the original, and that first one is still pretty darn good. Um, so, uh, Anything else about the uh, Bachelor SummerSlam matches this week? Um, I think that's about all I got. Uh, did, did you see Earl go off on Hunter during that match? I did, and that, that, was, uh, that was a treat. Was that was a treat. And that was a good little storytelling thing. Like, hey, I know this is unsanctioned, but, you know, look, you're going too far. So I, I thought that was a good little storytelling device. Yeah, me too. Um, so do you have anything for, uh, for this day in history? Wrestling history? Um, I got just two things. I don't have a whole lot of news for today. Um, for one, it was uh, Dean Malenko's birthday. So, happy birthday. Nice. Dean. Um, and the only other thing I've got is on this day, uh, August 4th, 1997, on Monday Nitro, Monday Night Nitro, uh, Lex Luger beat, Hulk, beat Hollywood Hulk Hogan for the uh, WCW title. This was the, uh, you know, 
he won the belt, I, I guess, the first little weakening of the NWO type thing. And, of course, Hogan got the belt back like a few days later at the pay-per-view. But it was a pretty big moment. We, I, I remember we touched on that briefly a couple weeks ago. Uh, and I remember the pop being pretty big. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, too bad. it's too bad we uh, weren't able to touch on this on, – uh, record this a day earlier because obviously August 3rd, 97 was uh SummerSlam 97 where that that's a memorable show for the uh, title match and obviously Austin and Owen. So um, yeah, I was thinking that as, as I was looking at my list, I was like, Oh man, <laughs> Wait. we'll go ahead and include it uh, <laughs> day late. Uh, but, um, but no, uh, well, good stuff this week, certainly, and I know uh, I know we'll have a lot more uh, to talk about next week. Does it does it seem to you that we're almost like getting a a twenty four hour wrestling news cycle anymore? <laughs> it it, it stop. It's kind of like sports, you know. It it just never stops. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm feeling that too. There's um, always like a new news story, new something new going on every day. Most certainly. Um, well, all right. I think that pretty well wraps us up for this week. Uh, so look forward to uh, talking some more SummerSlam next week and making some predictions for this year's event. And uh, that's all I've got. I think that's it. Awesome. All right. Stay positive, guys. <laughs>